What is a tall tale? Well, it's a story, a precept with a modicum of truth, but every time you tell the story, the details get taller. A tall tale is when somebody takes something that did happen and they keep adding to the story so the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger. In our text, there were four lepers who had experienced the worst life had to offer. They had a skin and muscle disease that was causing them to literally rot on the bone. There was a law passed that if you contracted this infectious disease, you had to quarantine yourself and self-isolate from the rest of the community. So lepers lived outside of the city in leper colonies, depending on the generosity of the people inside the city to feed them out of their overflow. But when the enemy sieged the city and the people in the city were starving themselves, you know that no one was thinking about how they could bless the lepers. One of the challenges that happens in society when large swaths of the nation come up under serious peril of time, perilous times is the people that are already broken and the people that are already dealing with difficult situations get left out and get looked over. And that was the case with these four lepers. Yet, all of the sudden, they experienced an extravagant turnaround in their circumstances. They found tents full of gold and silver and clothes and food and livestock. They went from being poor to rich in an instant, hungry to full in an instant. Not a process, in an instant everything changed. And while they're enjoying their blessing, they hadn't had anything to eat for several weeks and they're chomping down on those turkey legs and, and they're at the buffet line that was in those tents and they're just enjoying themselves, trying on the new clothes that the enemy left behind and checking out the donkeys and all the stuff the enemy left behind. And then they went into another tent and they started hiding goods for themselves and, and their conscience got to them and they said, you know what? Everybody in the city is starving. Everybody in the city is broke. We can't keep this blessing to ourselves. Let's go and, 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 and tell this story to the king. Let's let the king know that things have changed in the nation. So they go and they shout out the good news to the king. They shouted good news in the middle of a time where bad news was prevalent. You don't hear me. They shouted good news in a time where bad news was prevalent. And when they said, hey, king, everything we need, it's just, it's just right over the ridge. The enemy that's been attacking us has left. It's not here anymore. The danger is over. Everything we need is just, it's just right over there. The king heard it, and he said, that's a tall tale. I don't believe it. You mean after all this nation's been through? You mean after a woman just stopped me and said that they had to eat their children? You got people resulting to cannibalism. The economy is tanked. Everybody's scared to death. Everything is shut down in the city. You mean to tell me that while we're shut up in isolation, that everything we need is just right? Over there, 
I don't believe it. It's a tall tale. And this is how many Christians respond to the word of the Lord. You mean to tell me after all I've been through that God's going to bless me now? You mean to tell me that there's more for my life than what I've been seeing? You mean to tell me after all the hell we've been living through that God actually intends to take me over and bless me supernaturally? I don't believe it. But when God decides to send you a blessing, when God decides to turn the situation and the fortunes around in your life, no matter how you embellish it, you will not be able to tell it bigger than it really is. The scripture says, and Pastor John quoted it earlier, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It hasn't even entered your heart what God has in store for those that love him. In other words, I want to start by telling you, there is something coming to your life that no matter how you describe it after it comes, your human vernacular and vocabulary will fail you to be able to tell about all of the good things God is going to do. I'm talking about a blessing that you can't exaggerate enough. I'm talking about a tall tale you can't tell tall enough to accurately describe what it is God is going to bring. At the end of 2 Kings chapter 6, the king said, it was the Lord that brought this disaster upon us. I don't want to hear any more about the word of the Lord. Our people are starving. Earlier in chapter 6, they were selling doves dung to people to eat. The city is under siege, and it's not that bread was expensive. There was no bread. And into this environment of eating excrement and even eating their own children, Elisha walks into the country and he says these words, 2 Kings 7 verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. He said, not my word, I didn't come up with this. Hear the word of the Lord. God's word changes circumstances. And you are always only one word from God away from a shift in your life. Now, God never sends his word to tell you what you know. God never sends his word to tell you about what you see. God always sends his word to tell you about what you do not know and what you cannot see. Therefore, God's word will often contradict the circumstances that you are looking at in your life. God's word will often be the opposite of what you were seeing play out with your eyes and what you're hearing with your ears, which is what makes his word so important. Because if we're ever going to get anything beyond what we see, we're going to need to get our words from another source. I said if we're ever going to get anything beyond what we see, and beyond what we hear, we got to get our words from another source. He says, hear the word of the Lord. Now, it's not that God isn't faithful to send his word, but you have to be faithful enough to hear the word of the Lord. 
It's God's responsibility to send it. But it is your responsibility to hear it. That means you have to be as anointed to hear the word as the preacher is to preach it. You have to be as passionate about receiving the word as the preacher is about to giving it. You have to be as hungry to receive it as the preacher is to feed it. You have to hear the word of the Lord. Elisha says, I'm going to give you a word. And then the future will be determined by how you respond to it. No word has power in itself. The power is in the response to it. I'm going to say it again. The power is in the response to it and you will respond. You will either respond to the word of God with faith in your spirit or you will respond to the word of God with doubt in your spirit. That's up to you. But Elijah says, hear the word of the Lord. And then he announces to them, tomorrow about this time, things are going to change in the city. He tells people who have been labored, with perilous circumstances. He said in one day, God's going to begin turning this thing around. He tells people that have been eating dung and resulting to cannibalism. He tells them in one day, God's going to put something else on the menu. He tells people who have had no hope for tomorrow, in one day, God's going to start blessing your life and showing you rays of hope for the future. And I want to tell somebody that's in a dark place this morning, one day can make all the difference. One day can turn everything around. And somebody watching me, somebody listening to me, you are only one day away from things starting to change in your life. And that's important information because what couldn't you go through if you knew that you only had to go through it for one more day? But there's something prophetic happening here that Elijah is saying. He's doing more than just releasing words. He's challenging the spirit that had invaded the city, which was the spirit of dread and hopelessness. Here's how the spirit of fear, dread, and hopelessness works. It sends you words through every source imaginable to try to cause you to believe that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. That's how the enemy operates. He will always send you messages through the media or messages through people you talk to or messages through conversations on social media. He will always send you a message and the heart of his message is this. Tomorrow is going to be worse than today. But Elijah comes in and says, no, tomorrow is going to be better than today. Oh, hallelujah. I feel something shaking out on this parking lot. Oh, hallelujah to God. He said, tomorrow it's going to start getting better. This is the dynamics of faith and fear at work. The dueling powers that be in the spirit realm. Fear says, tomorrow it's going to be worse. 
Faith says no. Tomorrow it starts getting better. Tomorrow it starts getting better. People that quit, quit because they believe tomorrow's going to be worse. People that take their lives, take their lives because they believe tomorrow is going to get worse. But people who have the tenacity to survive crisis situations pull the strength from believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today. He said, tomorrow about this time, start changing. He said, tomorrow are going to start changing. He said, tomorrow about are going to start changing. He said, tomorrow about this time, oh, hallelujah, things are going to start changing. He said, tomorrow about this time. Things are going to start changing. He said, tomorrow about this time, things are going to start changing. He said, tomorrow about this time, things will start changing. And he said, the change is going to start. He said, the change is going to start. He said, the change is going to start in the economy of things. They had been living in a season where they were spending silver to eat Dub's Dump. Not just eating it, they were paying for it. But he said, tomorrow, just a little bit of money, not silver, just, just a shekel is going to get you a whole lot of bread. In other words, they were living in a season where it was taking a whole lot just to get a little bit. But he said, tomorrow God's going to change it to where just a little bit will get you a whole lot. The dove's dung and the cost to buy it and use it as food is another prophetic parallel of what we're living in America today. People in America have been starving to death spiritually. And we have a church on every corner, but that doesn't mean we have a word in every church. A lot of perpetrators and players have been setting up and trying to work the ministry like a business plan. But they're serving their people dove's dung and they're making them pay for it. But God sent this crisis at this time to America to close the dung dealers down. God's closing the dung dealers down. They won't be able to survive this pandemic. And the only churches left are going to be the churches that serve the fresh, real bread of of heaven which is the word of the Lord and so and so the scripture says in verse 2 that after Elisha releases that word tomorrow things are going to start to get better verse 2 the officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God no, notice this, this is the response, because every word from God will have a response. It is either a response of faith, yes, I believe and receive that, 
Or it is a response of doubt that says, nah, that's a tall tale. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, God would have to open the windows of heaven for what you're saying to be true. And I want to tell every one of you something you need to, you need to remember. My granddaddy would have said, put this in your pipe and smoke it. Not everybody wants this thing to get better. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Can I come out here and preach in the rain for a minute to your mind? I said not everybody wants this thing to get better. Just, just do a little experiment with me. Try talking amongst your friends. Try talking amongst your social media page. Try mentioning some hope or things are going to get better. And you will get all kind of people telling you how, no, it's going to get worse and worse and it's more dangerous. And you better not open up and you, you better not bring things back to normal. And you, you better not restart this. And we're going to go down and down and down and down and down. I heard him say on the news that it's going to be like this for two more years. That was a response. That was a response. When they heard the glimmers of hope, there is something about the enemy that when he feels you reaching out for hope, he tries to send ten times more attacks of fear to stomp out your hope that tomorrow things are going to get better. And in verse 2, the officer, he was close to the king. He had an important position. And the king needs faith to lead his people. The king needs a hope for tomorrow to lead his people. Because you cannot lead people if you don't have a belief in a better tomorrow. You cannot lead a family if you don't have a belief in a better tomorrow. You cannot lead a church if you do not have a belief in a better tomorrow. The king needs the belief in a better tomorrow in order to lead. But the officer hears the word of the Lord and faith angered him because it convicted his spirit because he was living in fear. Don't be surprised when people around you get angry with you for standing in faith. Because your faith convicts their fear. Your boldness convicts their timidity. So the man who's a leader and who's in the king's circle said, Nah, that's a tall tale. God would have to open the windows of heaven to bring that to pass. Now, I want to ask all the doubters something. If you're a doubter, don't hawk your horn, but I just want you to listen to me for just a minute. If you're watching online and you're a doubter and you're a hater, just, just give me 10 more seconds. What difference does it make how God does what he said he would do? That's what the man said. Well, in order for God to do that, the only way God could do that is he would have to open up the windows of heaven. So what? What difference does it make how he does it? As long as he said he would do it, and I believe what he said, then I will see a manifestation that faith in God works. Now I want to tell you, Christian world, 
You got some poison in your circle. You got some poisonous people around you. Anytime you hear voices saying tomorrow's going to be worse, you know that's a voice of doubt, fear, and unbelief. Anytime you hear voices saying it's going to go down and down and down and down, voices of doom and gloom, I don't need any more of that. I can go anywhere in the world, world right now and get that. I need some people of faith around me. I need some people that will agree in prayer with me. I need some people that will bombard heaven with a faith request with me. I don't need any more doubt. I don't need any more news. I don't need any more unbelief. I don't need any more negativity. I need some people of faith. And the king does something so detrimental. He remains silent and lets the person close to him speak for him and give his response. You better stop letting people close to you speak for you and tell you how to believe. You better get some conviction in your own spirit. And when you get a word from God, you better stand in faith and respond to that word. And so the Bible says the prophet responded to him and he says, you're going to get to see this happen, but you will not get to participate in it. Doubt always gets to see God's power come through in the end, but it never gets to partake and receive it. You got to stay in faith. Verse 3 says, after the man of God releases the word, that there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to each other, why sit here until we die? What a question. Why sit here until we die? Hell gets nervous when people start asking why. Hell gets nervous. The devil gets nervous. The spirit of fear gets nervous when believers start asking themselves why. Why do I have to be sick? Why does my marriage have to suffer? Why am I putting up with this fear and depression and anxiety? And they started weighing the cost. They said, you know what? If we just sit here, well, we're going to die. If we go into the city under quarantine rules, we're going to die. If we go to the enemy's camp, they may kill us. We're going to die anyway. Or they may save us and give us something to eat. So let's go there. And what I want to point out to you is that the lepers made a decision to move. Oh, God. The lepers made a decision to do something instead of staying trapped, quarantined in a crisis. And the decision to move got God's attention. Some of us would rather die trying to move than we would live and stay stuck in passivity. Some of us would rather die trying to live than we would live waiting on death to come tackle us. Some of us just have made the decision, I'm going to keep moving on through this. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Somebody made up down in your mind, down in your spirit. No matter what comes, I'm going to keep it moving on through this. So verse 5 says that when the lepers got up and went to the camp, that verse 6, the Lord caused the enemy 
to hear the sound of a mighty army coming toward them. Notice this. Just four believers walking in unity is enough to make the enemy flee. I'm going to say it again. Just four believers walking in a spirit of unity is enough to make the enemy flee. I'm going to say it again. Just four believers walking in the spirit of unity is enough to make the enemy flee. I'm going to say it again. Just four believers walking in the spirit of unity is enough to make the enemy flee. The scripture still says that the wicked flee when no one pursues. These four lepers weren't pursuing the enemy to attack them. They were trying to get something to eat. But because the wicked are bound by the laws of fear that they perpetrate on others, they have to move when they come into close proximity to somebody that's walking in faith. And I love it because these lepers had to be limping. They were sick. They were starving. They were literally falling apart. Their flesh was rotting on the bone. But they were limping and struggling forward with nothing but the spirit of faith. I want to tell somebody, when you got nothing to lose, you become dangerous. Because when you got nothing to lose, faith is your only option to move forward. And when you dare start moving forward in faith, I said when you dare start moving forward in faith, I said, when you dare start moving forward in faith, God will clear the path for you. God will make the way straight for you. God will open up doors for you when you start limping forward in faith. So he says, he says that they walked forward in faith and God amplified the sound of their footsteps. I don't care how weak or broken you are. If you'll start taking steps of faith, God will amplify the effectiveness of your movement. I got to say that thing again. I don't care how weak or broken you are. If you will start limping forward, making steps of faith, God will amplify the effectiveness of your movement. The point is, the point is, they did something. They refused to just sit in fear and die they got up and they did something i don't know what to tell you to do all i came to do is tell you to do something don't just sit every day rehearsing your fears and your losses get up if you have to limp get up if you have to get on your knees and crawl and do whatever you gotta do to keep moving forward and god will amplify the effectiveness of your forward movement somebody give god a praise right now wherever you are put your hands together lift up your voice and shout move in the spirit god will multiply the effectiveness of your movement takeaway points from the text really quickly. Point number one, your problem creates a platform for God to reveal who he is. 
Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Jehovah Rapha is my healer. Jehovah Nisi is my banner. But you never get to know who he is until you need to. Oh, I said you never get to know who he is until you're in a situation that you need to. So your problem creates the platform for God to reveal who he is. Point number two, faith flows easiest when you've got nothing to lose. I want to talk to the broken among you. If you're sitting in the parking lot or you're across the street or you're over next door or you're watching online and you were broken. Truth is you were broken before this crisis hit. You were broken before the trouble started. You had problems and issues almost threatening to take your life before this wave of coronavirus hit. Faith flows easiest when you got nothing to lose. God loves sending miracles through people that ain't got nothing to lose but just to believe in God. If you've got nothing to lose, the stage is set for God to do something not only to you, but through you that will affect your family, your community, and even this whole city. And the only reason you were eligible for it is because you were so broken before this. God loves using the broken to usher in and announce that a breakthrough is coming. If God used these four lepers to announce it to the city, he can use your brokenness to announce his power to your family. He can use your brokenness to announce his power to everyone around you. He can use the brokenness of your situation as a platform to reveal who he is because you got nothing to lose. Point number three, once you hear the word of the Lord, a response is demanded. Once you hear the word of the Lord, I, I've been preaching for a few minutes now. You've been hearing the word of the Lord. And many of you have already made a response. It's either a response of faith or it's a response of doubt. That's a tall tale. I don't, I don't really believe that. And the decision happens deep in the middle of you, deep in your heart. But make no mistake about it, you have made a response one way or the other. You have made a response. And then point number four. It makes no difference how God sends the blessing. The how belongs to him. The results belong to us. Oh, that's good right there. Oh, that's good right there. That's worth giving God a praise right there. I said it makes no difference how God sends the blessing. The how belongs to him. The results belong to us. Point number five. Starting tomorrow. That's the power of the word of God. It always speaks hope and faith into tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, I want you to get you a calendar. I want you to get you a calendar on your phone, on your iPad, on your kitchen table, wherever it is. I want you to get your calendar. And I want you to circle the next seven weeks. Because starting tomorrow, on Monday, tomorrow about this time pockets of supernatural blessing and activity are going to start dropping. They're going to start dropping. They're going to start dropping in the lives of the people of this church, in the families of the people of this church. You hear what I'm saying? You're getting a word from the Lord. All you have to do is respond one way or the other. Tomorrow, 
begin seven weeks of pockets of blessing just dropping all over. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost beginning to sweep all through this place. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost sweeping through that camera lens. Starting tomorrow, watch the next seven weeks. Pockets of blessing will begin to drop in your life. In the middle of this crisis, when everyone around you is going down, you will start to notice your life going up. When everyone else is falling by the wayside and being overtaken in waves of fear, you will notice yourself sending stronger in your faith than you ever had. As everyone around you is losing their jobs and losing provision, supernatural pockets of provision will begin to sustain you and not just sustain you, take you up and over what you were doing before. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life. Not cursing, blessing over your life. Not more down days, more up days in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak that you will be the head and not the tail. I speak that you will be above only and not beneath. I speak that you will be lenders and not borrowers. I speak that even among some of the most broken situations in your life, you will stand up and begin to do what those lepers did. You'll carry the responsibility of bringing the good news of what God's able to do. Those lepers were standing there telling the king not just what they believed. Those lepers were telling the king what they had experienced. And a lot of you, you've been telling your family and you've been telling your co-workers what you believe. But you're about to be able to tell them what you have experienced. Just lift up your hands right where you are. Holy Spirit, minister to your people. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, minister the hope of tomorrow. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, quicken their faith. Holy Spirit, quicken their understanding and their knowledge that whoever calls on the name of the Lord in faith shall be saved. That when we respond to the word of God in faith, we will see miracles. That we are not a defeated people waiting on death and destruction to come. We're a people that's moving forward even if we have to limp with leprosy. We're a people that's moving forward even if we have to crawl with our brokenness. We're a people that are committed to moving forward because your faith calls us forward. Your faith calls us to dream again. Your faith causes us to believe again. Your faith causes us to come out of hiding. Your faith causes us to stand bold against the wind and the waves. Your faith causes us to believe for impossible things. And so God, we drove out here today or we logged on today to lift up our hand to the Most High and say, we still believe in the Word. We still have confidence that you are who you say you are. And we thank you, Lord, that the blessing is coming on our lives. I want to tell you one more thing. The next day, when Elisha said tomorrow about this time, the next day, the blessing of the Lord broke loose in all the city. But you know who got it first before anybody in the city? It was those broken lepers on their last leg. God still loves sending breakthrough to the broken first. If you're broken, if your heart is broken, 
If your health is broken, if your finances are broken, tears may be streaming down your face right now. But I want to tell you to lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Let every part of you that's low be lifted up because God's going to start sending the blessing to the broken first. It's not going to be the strong people that get to see it first. He's sending it to the broken first. And when you see it and you receive it, all you got to do is what those lepers did. You just got to run to the gates of the city and tell everybody that will listen to you about the testimony of God's faithfulness to you and to your life. I bless you right now in the name of Jesus. I call you blessed. I call you healed. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace and hope for tomorrow was laid on him. And by his stripes, you are healed. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over you. I speak that no plague can come near you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And I call you to stand on what you know about your God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Listen. Listen, we're about to dismiss you. Our ushers are going to come by and serve you. I encourage you to give your tithe to the Lord. It's a great example of faith, and it's a great response to the word of the Lord to give your tithe even in challenging seasons. If you have an offering you'd like to add to it, you can. If you're watching me online, I encourage you not to distance yourself from the holy tithe and giving it to God. Give your tithe online. God will bless you for doing it. And listen, after we serve you and, and your, your tithe has been received, if you need personal prayer concerning any issue in your life, I want you to put your hazard blinkers on and make your way over to this side of the parking lot up against the fence. Our elders and prayer workers are going to come and pray with each and every one of you and believe God for your miracle. So if you need prayer, Put your flashers on and go over to the to the fence right over here. Uh, notice some of our people that are going to be coming and helping direct you where you should go, okay? May the Lord your God bless your giving. May God rain on your seed. May God multiply it. And may you remember, starting tomorrow, watch your life over the next seven weeks. There may be some challenges, but there will be pockets of blessing, pockets of victory, pockets of breakthrough, pockets of increase in the name of Jesus. I love you, Christian world. Thanks for coming out in the rain today. You're the best people on the planet. Be blessed. We'll see you soon.